one day, I, I heard on Fox News, they had American Idol auditions coming. So I decided to try out. I was standing among 3,000 other people at a huge baseball park. And as I was standing in line, I saw like hundreds of people, how they got only 15 to 30 seconds to sing before they were told to go home. So in my mind, I thought I had no chance. But somehow, they let me sing over a minute and they let me through. Podcast Junkies, episode 170. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. This is Harry Duran. I am the host of said show. <laughs> Thanks so much for being patient with me as I get back on track with the podcast. This is the show where I search out interesting voices in podcasting who are just getting started or have been doing it for a heck of a long time. And we just have fun and you just never know where inspiration for a guest will come from. This week's inspiration comes from an in-person meeting with someone you may have heard of before, if you're familiar with the show American Idol. But before that, did you catch last week? It was with Denny Crahey, a return visit from my buddy, Denny Crahey. It's been about three years plus. He's the host of Diz Runs. We had a great conversation, getting caught up on what's been going on with him. He's at 500 plus episodes. We started around the same time. He is just kicking butt and taking names and I wish I knew where that phrase came from because <laughs> I'd like to understand exactly what it means. Who's the one kicking butt and who's the one taking names? This week, we speak to William Hung. Uh, my wife and I started watching uh, American Idol uh, when it first came out, and uh, it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure. We don't do it now, but it was uh, fun to see um, the show, and there was always that part where the, the folks who couldn't sing, um, they, they made a point to have them as part of the the show in the beginning through the um, the first few rounds. And uh, William Hung was one of those memorable, pod, uh, not memorable podcasters, <laughs> memorable uh, audition, what do they call them, contestants. And it was so um, interesting to see him at PodFest earlier this year in Florida. And I, it really caught my eye because I was like, oh, he's starting a podcast. So I said hi to him. Um, we agreed to to have him come on the show. And uh, this is the conversation that resulted. And it's really interesting because we talk about his journey from American Idol to podcasting and his first experiences with podcasts. And he has uh, some feedback on how podcasters um, can, can get started and also the influence that other podcasters have had on him to help him improve. And then we talk about him starting to become a life coach of all things. We talk about the kind of people he's helped and his advice for new podcasters as well. So it's really nice uh, breath of fresh air to have William on the show. He's it's really exciting to see him taking take on something um, like podcasting. His show is called From Fear to Courage, and I think it's just I, I just love all voices in podcasting. And people are going to be coming to him um, because they're familiar with him being on American Idol. And if that introduces more people to podcasting, then I'm definitely all for that. So please enjoy this episode. If you are new, then you don't know about the retention hashtag. It's the hashtag that I give out only at the end of the show. So please stay to the end of that so you can hear that and you can take advantage of all the goodness that comes from tweeting about an episode and showing to me that you're listening to the end. As you may have heard me mention last week, there's some uh, coaching opening up in the form of case studies. And so uh, we're working with a select fr uh, group of podcasters to get their show launched. So if you have an interest in that, then simply send an email to harry at podcastjunkies.com 
And all you have to say is the word case, uh, the two words, case study. Um, it's a six-week program, and we help you get your show from uh, launch, from concept to launch. Um, and we do it um, every couple of months. We work with a select group of folks. So if that's something that interests you and uh, you've been interested in this show and wondering how you get your podcast off the ground, I'd love to help with you personally. But for now, enjoy my conversation with the fascinating William Hung. So William Hung, host of From Fear to Courage, thank you so much for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited about this interview. It's interesting because um, like many people, William, I, I was introduced to you through American Idol. And then I think for a lot of people, you know, they assumed that maybe that was your 15 minutes of fame and that you disappeared and you went back to normal life. But it's been clear uh, and from the, what I've read about you and, and that experience on your website that you actually decided to do something different with that experience and transform it into um, something that you've been able to start building your your speaking career and, and your podcast off of. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Well, of course. When I first started, I never thought myself I would be like the celebrity podcaster, all that stuff came with it. I was uh, growing in school, like getting good grades, and I was going to studying for civil my first year in my life. It's like, what should I do? Yeah. So one day, I saw a poster for a school talent show at the Clark Kerr dormitories. I figured, why not? There's nothing to lose. Yeah. And I sang my favorite song, She Bangs, by Ricky <laughs> Martin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I had no expectations, but somehow, I won. The grand mm. prize was... A DVD player. Okay. So that gave me the confidence to audition for American Idol. Can you talk a little bit, because there's so many people that have been through that experience themselves, and there's a lot of people who only see the edited version, and you've probably touched on this before, but what we see on TV is what the producers decide you know, to edit and, and leave right. in and leave out. So they, you know, they don't tell the whole story, but I imagine just from the lines you see that even just the waiting to audition must have been an experience itself that because it seemed like it, that must have taken just an entire day yeah i did oh yeah so one day i um i heard on fox news they had american idol auditions coming so i decided to try out and yeah it was i was standing among three thousand other people at a huge baseball park and as i was standing in line i saw like hundreds of people how they got only 15 to 30 seconds to sing before they were told to go home. So in my mind, I thought I had no chance. But somehow, they let me sing over a minute, and they let me through. They told <laughs> me to come back the next day. <laughs> it seems like a, a lot of times what they wanted to do was highlight people who maybe they weren't in, intending to pick or get to the final round. And, and I think maybe what they were looking for was entertainment value. But do you think about why you were selected to make it to that first round of, of choice? I can't really tell. There's no, there was no way. It, yeah. Because some people that are talented obviously get, get picked. Other people, who knows, right? Uh, so I had no idea. I just went with it. Because if you are listening to this right now, you are standing in line. You're mm -hmm. going through this process. They let you through. What, you would go forward. Why, why, why wouldn't you? you you yeah. got to give yourself that chance and see what happens. And that's why I did. Yeah. You get selected and then you have that chance to actually appear in front of the judges. Yes, yes. What were you thinking? I'm just trying to get through here a little bit through of, of mindset here. I'm just thinking about what you were thinking as you were about to go uh, and you made it to that level and you were about to perform 
in front of the actual judges now. Yeah, uh, well, it was the most nerve-wracking moment in my life. <laughs> my heart was pounding, my hands were sweating. I have a lot of nervous moments, uh, mm-hmm. but that I could never find another moment like that. that because, because I knew there was a potential for my audition to be seen by millions of people. Mm-hmm. Naturally, the, when you perform in front of someone like Simon, I don't know if you had seen the show before and you knew that he was going to be a harsh judge. Oh, I knew that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so were you prepared for like, you know, the feedback that he gave you? In a way, I was, uh, okay. because I kind of know that the odds of you making it in general is mm-hmm. very slim. Most yeah. people don't make it. And that's why I was able to maintain that positive attitude. I just said, I gave my best. I have no regrets at all. So where does that come from, Moon? Like where, because uh, a lot of times, if you think about your upbringing and who maybe like inspired you to think like that, because there's something in you that made you want to audition in the first place, and there's something in you that gave you that that strength to be fearless in that moment to actually <laughs> do that. Have you thought about that? Like where where that comes from? I think it's a combination of, in terms of like, like trying out for singing, I just thought it was fun. My yeah. parents love karaoke. Mm. So that, that's why I was, uh, started doing it since I was 10 years old. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. And then in terms of like how to maintain that positive attitude, I remember watching some dr- Chinese dramas from my parents. They told me things like, it, it's okay to fail if you try your best. That became my life philosophy. Do you think as you, you know, that's great advice, obviously, to receive from parents because what they're telling you is try a lot of things, knowing that you may fail on the majority of them, but eventually over time, you're going to find the things that you resonate with and the things that you are successful at. Yes. Was that what you found in your journey as well? I would say that for my journey, um, I'm very grateful and very fortunate to to suddenly become an overnight celebrity. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but with that being said, I still have to constantly reinvent myself. Nothing is easy after the the first four four years or so. So like now it's like, you know, back to earth to the, you know, earning everything, every opportunity. And do you feel like that has that advice and that support that you had from your parents early on prepared you for other experiences that not just related to what happened with American Idol, but just other challenges you've had now in your life as you've started to build this new chapter? I would say that my parents, uh, they are kind of, I don't know what better word than ambivalent. You know, it's like it's almost <laughs> like they kind of like support, they want to support me, but they're not really sure. You know, in their mm-hmm. heart, it's like my, especially my, my, my dad, he said like, you have a stable job. You have a stable mm-hmm. local government job. Yeah. Why you work so hard? My mom says, like, uh, you, you you lose. Did you realize that that the, your new business is not is it's not it's not making money yet? All that stuff. It's like all these negative things that I don't want to hear about, right? And on the other side is that I know I have a vision. I know I'm not living this glamorous life yet, but I embrace this new uh, transition because mm-hmm. it's part of the the journey to get to where I want to be. Can you talk a little bit about the types of jobs you had when you were growing up? I had some uh, jobs that are not very like notable. I think, yeah. I think it's a good way to put it. I was helping out like like with a cafeteria back in Berkeley before I, my American Idol audition. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the years, like so, after four years, uh, I had I had great fun. I had I was on Ellen, I was in Jay Leno, I was everywhere, mm-hmm. and then things started to slow down. 
And that's when I realized, okay, well, I can't sit around and do nothing. So mm-hmm. I finished school, I got my bachelor's, and then I got my day job. So in, I think it was 2010, 2011, I was working for the sheriff's department for a statistical analyst. Okay. And then I got promoted to become a bit uh, a middle manager for the Department of Public Health two years later. And that's why I'm at right now. So interesting, like statistical analysis, it requires a different type of mindset. And it's interesting because it's in a way it speaks to you uh, analyzing problems or, or data in a way. Yes. Yes. Is that something that's a passion for you? Just kind of looking at a problem and, and, and thinking about different ways to solve it? I got to be real honest. Uh, I, I thought it would be the more, one of the most exciting jobs, but it turned out not that way. It turned out, didn't turn out to be that way. <laughs> it has more to do with data quality, making sure the data matches uh, the, the government FBI standards and things like that. I'm not yeah. going to get too much into that. Yeah, of course. But the point is that it's not as exciting as the crime analyst or what you see from criminal minds <laughs> on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was hoping for. That's what I signed up for. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that, you know? So that's, that's why when I, ch- I got a chance to promote, I did. So you were thinking more of like CSI <laughs> or something like that? No, no, I don't expect CSI. More like criminal mind. Because CSI is forensics. Like, okay. like that, that, I don't know if I want to deal with that. <laughs> now talk about, uh, as we shift gears, uh, you know, refreshing to see. I, I always like to speak to new podcasters because I've been doing this for about four years and 160 oh. interviews. And I'm just fascinated at, at the medium because it's a great way to get into people's uh, ear. And you can find them. And, and it's so mobile. You know, people can listen to your show when they're, walking the dog or cooking dinner or just in traffic, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm really excited about it. So what was your first experience with podcasts? Were you listening to them or how did you hear about them? I just heard about it like, like within the last few years, mm-hmm. I, I heard it's pretty cool. It's better than radio and truly listen to uh, a gen. Uh, he's a Chinese Chinese. That's what, that's how I got into it. I mean, I didn't think about getting into podcasts myself like early this year. Mm-hmm. But 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 before that, in terms of like like how I got familiar with podcasts, he had a program called Secrets to High Ticket Sales, and I think mm-hmm. it's so cool that he shares this all these best secrets for free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, many people they will sell those things online, but yeah. for him, he has this podcast and he shares so much knowledge. Like, oh wow! You know, that's why I listen to every single one of the episodes for that one. And then, and then, and then this year, I thought to myself, "Wow, maybe I could run my own podcast." Uh, <laughs> and then I thought about, and then I thought about what would resonate with my audience. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I look at, you know, like you mentioned, the American Idol. So I looked at, I look at, oh, maybe something about overcoming fear. And that's yeah. how I came up with. When you started this, did, did you have an idea of the format you wanted to create, and did you know there was going to be interviews from the beginning? The concept for my podcast, uh, for, from fear to courage, I had, I, I thought about interviewing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, Dan Locke, he has, he had another podcast called Shoulder of Titans. He would interview all the su- most successful entrepreneurs. But for me, I want a different concept. I want to bring limelight, or I think, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but I want to help, uh, the more of the unsung heroes, yeah. the, the newer entrepreneurs with unique visions. So that's my, um, approach to it. And so I brought in like a lot of people from my from my uh, local network to people I meet, for example, at Fest <laughs> to yeah. to be my guests on the show. And we had so much fun talking about uh, the biggest failure. Uh, how what you, what would you do if you want to turn back time? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's how that's how it came about. 
did you have the skill of interviewing people before? What's interesting about your story is that you actually were able to be interviewed by some, probably the biggest names. <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> Leno and you mentioned Ellen. I'm wondering if you've, you've used any of that experience to help you when the tables are turned and now you're, you're the interviewer. I don't think I did a very, uh, very good job in the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. The first few episodes, I feel that there's a lot of room for improvement. And I think over time, like, like episode four and moving forward, mm-hmm. uh, I would say that my approach is that it's more open ended because I like the idea of being open ended, more spontaneous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have some questions I want to ask every single person. But I also want to leave room to ask them follow-up questions, wherever the story is, or the back, wherever their background is. Have you started listening to other podcasts that are interview-based as well for inspiration? Yes, I do. I listen. Some of them, other ones I listen to would be uh, Speaking Your Brand by Carol Cox, mm-hmm. Jackie Latrans, uh, Stop Your Inner Bully. They are both knowledge and interview. You know, some of them, they just do individual uh, education. Other mm-hmm. ones, they would bring in guests. What is there that stands out? Because, I mean, I listen to a lot as well. I listen to Tim Ferriss' uh, podcast as well. And, and it's a fascinating skill because when you realize that, you know, people train their whole lives to be a good interviewer, you tend to look at it as a craft. And I'm wondering yeah. if that's been happening for you as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm always uh, try to always improve. And one thing that I found helpful is that I try to be very present. Um, yeah. I, I want to be very present. I want to, uh, not force a question just because I need to ask that question or the flow. If that question does fit, then don't, don't ask that question. Ask them about something else. Have you found anything interesting? Yeah, I know you're just getting started and you've done the hardest part because for new podcasters, what we say is you're never happy with your first episode and your 10th is always going to sound better than your first and your 50th is always going to sound better than your your 10th. And you've done the hardest part, which is get started. So it sounds like you're, you're really cognizant of trying to make continuous improvement with each episode. Yes, I, w- I want to do more. And then, and then I realized that I have so many priorities. It's hard for me to fully commit to it. Uh, in the, in the, what I'm saying by that is like, for example, there are ones that have like really great show notes, great blogs that, to go with it. You know, they have great marketing that, that makes it work for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have that yet. Because yeah. right now I feel that, you know, even though I'm putting in the time, I see it as more like a relationship building. So. Yes. My primary goal is relationship building. It's not so much better. I get a thousand downloads. I get other clients from it. I, w- I just want to learn from fascinating people. It's really interesting because uh, you're aware enough to understand that what a, an important platform this is for building a, a strong network. And that's what I found myself. And you know, after this many interviews, you establish a lot of friendships and, and you probably experience it a little bit at PodFest. What's fascinating about the podcasting community is that everybody is so friendly and everybody wants to help. And I wonder if that's been your experience so far. Yes, I've been able to make some new lifelong friends because of the podcast. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. How did you hear about the conference? Um, I, I reached out uh, to Chris, uh, yeah. like, like other conferences I would normally reach out to. And he was happy to bring me in to have a breakout session. And that's how, that's how I ended up there. <laughs> Where's home for you now? Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, I'm in LA. Yeah, I'm in Silver Lake. Oh, okay. That's very close to my work. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny sometimes you, you find this out after the fact. I've had a past guest and we've discovered we've lived like within a couple of minutes of each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, so what was your experience? Um, had you given 
public talks before uh, in preparation for the talk you gave at PodFest? Yes, I did. I've been doing a lot of uh, actual presentations, like speaking presentations, uh, since the beginning of 2017. Did you get training for that as well? Uh, my training is actually in Toastmasters. Okay. Then I feel that I'm missing that some of the key ingredients to real. I also invest, started investing in business coaching. And did some of that come into play or have you used that knowledge to change how you present when given the opportunity? Yes. I would say it's a combination of business coaching plus a friend and mentor stuff. It gives me like very valuable feedback. So just moving into that aspect of it as well, when did you decide or what was the the moment for you when you thought you might want to start offering coaching as well? That's a great question. Like last year, I did a lot of speaking engagements uh, towards the second half of the year. Mm -hmm. And I found that it is a lot of fun to, uh, to, to be doing, to be the keynote speaker for events. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's also nice to get paid uh, with some of them. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> but, but I think that the issue is that I didn't have a coaching program in place. Mm -hmm. And that puts me at a very big disadvantage. It's just not sustainable. I mean, I'm not going to say exactly how much. I'm not, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. But theoretically, I just gonna I just gonna give you listeners a, a, a general idea. Even if you get paid five thousand dollars every speaking engagement, how many can you realistically get each year? Right? Mm -hmm. Maybe ten, maybe twelve. Yeah. It's just it, it's just not enough for you to have a great living if you only rely on speaking without other streams of income. Yeah. So that's when I decided to do coaching. Yeah. Was there a specific profile of people that started to approach you uh, for that coaching? Because people are in different points in their lives and some people are in corporate America and they want to make the jump or some people need a bit of handholding because um, you know, they're inspired by your story. So was there a profile of a person that was starting to approach you to, to work with you? Yeah, I've been working with the, you know, the entrepreneurs the last few months and then uh, gradually I'm planning to shift into working with management teams. Okay. Uh, from mid to large size corporations. Do you find that your experience in the corporate world or, or you know, the, the jobs, you know, the, the nine to five jobs that you have had and, and have now, do you feel like they give you a, a good perspective so that it seems like you're now bringing all your life experiences together and they're allowing you to just be in this position where you can add value to corporations? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because without that, I, I wouldn't go for this new niche. I think it's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Before, when I started, it was in my heart, I always wanted to help other entrepreneurs. And mm -hmm. I still do it. And I still do it. I give as much valuable information as I can. Um, I try to, I earn some testimonials along the way because I feel it's good. It's, it's needed, you know, yeah. because I'm, I know I haven't been doing coaching that long. Then I feel that, that that's not my, my biggest credibility or the best fit because mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like I'm missing something. I'm not leveraging what I have. I want to get into helping management size corporations. And when you have those sessions and you, and you meet with them, what's the one takeaway you want them to have as a, as a result of having listened to your talk? The biggest result is that it's not so much that you need more systems, you need more uh, shiny objects. It's more like, what do you really want inside your heart? Um, are you happy or how can you change your perspective? I think that's the best, that's, I think that's the best way to put it. Because I went through that myself. Mm -hmm. 
I realized that I don't have to have everything perfect yeah. in order to be happy as a mm. manager because that day would never come, you know, whatever, right? It's very, instead of thinking that way, maybe I tell myself, well, what, what can I accomplish? What can I do? That to grow myself while still doing something that would align with my organization's mission. Yeah, it's interesting. Something my coach uh, tells me as well. He says, "He says perfect is the enemy of done." <laughs> so, <laughs> if we were to have this discussion twelve months from now, where do you think your your current projects would need to be for you to be happy with your success? I actually thought about this. Uh, so, the way I wanted to work is that I would want to have two paid speaking engagements each month, I would want to have five coaching clients each year, one-on-one, longer-term commitments, at least six months, ideally one year. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all I really need because I, I care about the quality of the results I'm, I'm delivering. Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of what I'm really going for here is I want to help people uncover their inner fears. And it's hard to do that when you are doing group coaching. Imagine you put like five people in the same call, the same room, so the same same company. They don't like each other. They don't trust each other. It's not going to work very well. So that's that's why uh, I that's why I'm going with this particular um, model. And I feel it's good because because you know once I get things running by by next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to do all the work myself. I could actually hire someone. And then what, what type of work are you going to be doing to promote it? Do you feel like the podcast will be a good platform for you to offer those services? I feel that I want to try different things, different approaches. Podcasts will be one of them, but I want to see which one gets the best results and, 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 and go from that. Have you included a mention of your coaching as a call to action at the end of your episodes? Right now, not yet. The right now, actually, my podcast seems to be at the back burner. I want to get it back to the front burner because yeah. <laughs> I have so. I guess I'm prioritizing, like, like up, let's just say, upgrading my presentation, my mm-hmm. marketing materials when I talk to uh, decision makers. So that's why I've been putting this in the back burner. But I'll get on top of it again, and then I, I and you know, for me, I don't know if I really want to harvest out anything because people get turned off by that. So right, I'm probably going to just stay, go with something like visit my website, rohan.com, and, and, and uh, check, check, check it out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, one of the things that they talk about for podcasting is this, this is idea of, of no like, and trust. And you may have heard some of this at PodFest. Obviously, you've gotten the no down because people know you very well now uh, because of your experiences so far. And then like you, you have a high likability factor as well. Um, so then the trust comes in just from you having a presence, establishing a new channel for you to have a presence with them on a consistent basis. And that's why I, w- I was excited to see what you're doing with the podcast. And you don't necessarily need to offer up, you know, like a hard sell on the show, but what you can do and, and what's a, what, what I recommend for clients is you offer them a simple call to action at the end where they can download uh, maybe like a one-page PDF. And so here are my, my five tips for you to be more fearless in, in, your, in front of your next meeting or something like that. Something simple that's related to your message. And then you connect it to a, you know, like a MailChimp or something easy. And so in order for them to get the download, they have to just leave their email. And that's how you begin to build up your email database. And then you can once a week just send them a nice email and say, hey, here's the new episode. And, and then also over time, after you've given them, you know, a couple of intro emails about 
you know, your story and people may or may not be familiar with you. Then later on, when you offer something up like, hey, I, you know, I have space open for new clients. If anyone is interested, then you can have that conversation with them. So I'm really a fan of like, you know, not giving them one clear action at the end that's easy to remember. Because remember, you know, most most podcasts are consumed on mobile devices, about 80 to 85%. So you never want to try to send them to, to a bunch of different places. Like some people like to do Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and, and then people get yeah, some, too much. Yeah, yeah too much. Right, right. But that's just, in a, you know, some advice. It, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Give them one thing to do. And the one thing to do would be like, and it's something that adds value to them. And so if they're enjoying the conversation, if you enjoyed this episode of From Fear to Courage, then you know, download this easy to consume PDF that keeps you top of mind for them and, and adds immediate value because for some people that are going through what you went through, it's nice to have that printout, you know, handy, like <laughs> friendly reminders from from William. Yeah, I, I I like the idea a lot. I just I just recently came up with my own new um, framework uh, mm-hmm. for facing your fears. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I like the idea. Yeah, you could take the framework and then just create it on Canva. is a really easy site to use. Uh, Canva dot com. You can create custom graphics there pretty easily. Okay, sounds good. So, um, have you thought about now? going to other if you've got the podcasting bug now have you thought about future <laughs> podcasting conferences i would say it depends uh be, because um i would say that having a speaking opportunity is a is very important mm-hmm. because if i can't expect to get paid or i can't expect to get paid a lot for like as a real like keynote like high-end keynote yeah then, then I would say I have to be very selective. This this year I'm gonna be very very selective. That's what I'm doing. Uh, so I'll I'll see. It depends. I mean, if it's the biggest one, I forgot which one it was. Podcast uh, it movement, is. yeah. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, I mean, I'll do that one for sure if I get invited. Other ones, I have to think about. It. Yeah, I think it's a, just a matter. Of, uh, I took some speaker training last year, and one of the things that I learned was this idea of having they call a scalable offer. So essentially, there's even some opportunities that you could take where you wouldn't get paid, but you have something to offer at the end. So it, it could yeah. be a course, or it could be just a simple way for people to consume your content. And so let's say, you know, you, you know, that you didn't get paid the thousand or the 2000 or the 5000. But, you know, it was a big enough room that, you know, if enough people converted, and, and you had like a $500 course, you know, you could almost sometimes even make more because you have something that's scalable uh, that you can offer people at the end. Yeah, I understand. I think that your message of like moving from fear to courage really resonates with new podcasters. And, and I know that, you know, because we, I interview a lot of podcasters, there's people that listen that just gotten started or are thinking about getting started. So I'm wondering if you could, as it relates to the things you talk about in your show and what you coach on, as you start meeting people and they're inspired now to maybe start their own podcast, what are some guidance or some tips that you can give but, you know, because you were in their shoes and, and you know where that where their mindset is coming. Yes. From. Yes. I would say that have a clear uh, end game like in mind in terms of how your podcast uh, will fit your overall puzzle. Uh, and, and that's that's some that's uh, for, for like uh, I would say that for me, as, as I mentioned, I have a clear goal. My clear goal is, you know, I don't care if I make money from it. it mm-hmm. I mean, it would be great if it, le- if it gets there, but I don't expect it because that was not my intention from the beginning before I even started. But for some people, it's a big deal. One of my friends that's doing the podcast, you know, she wants to sell more books. She mm-hmm. wants the books to be the residual income. So she, that, she has to approach it very differently. You know, she, she probably needs like a, like an actual producer, an editor. You have to, she has to make everything like top-notch quality in order yeah. to get to that. 
so I would say I definitely be very clear about your angle, be clear about uh, who you're serving with your podcast. Well, for some people, it makes sense for them to be very like like narrow with mm-hmm. their focus, right? Bringing in very specific people, very specific topics. For my podcast, uh, my strategy is I'm reaching, I'm, I'm trying to reach wide. Yeah. And then I can focus who I want to target. That I want to do the, I'm doing it that way, right? But, but that's not, that's not as, you know, whatever works for me, for you may not work for the listener. <laughs> so yeah. it, it just depends. Hardestly, you can't, you can't, uh, have a one size fits all solution. Who inspires you, William? Oh, I can't pinpoint a per- one person, but I, I would, I love, I mean, I, I listen to Tony Robbins. Okay. I, I, I love some of the, the, the newer people that's less, that's not very well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I believe they're putting out great content out there. Like, like the ladies I mentioned already, uh, Carol and, and Jackie, they put out great content. Yeah, it's hard to say. I, I, I try to absorb a lot because mm-hmm. I like the idea of keeping an open mind. And do you have a, a relationship with anyone who you would have considered maybe a, a mentor that has helped you along the way? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I mean, I have no problem. Uh, Carol Cox and Jackie Latran, those those okay. two ladies, been been really really uh, uh, helpful for me. And the other people, uh, Dan Locke, I, I, the gentleman, I also I, I highly recommend him as well. I, mm-hmm. I mean, because if it was because it's well free content that's just that you could use right away. It's yeah. not it's not just advice. It's like action. It's like okay, <laughs> how do you how do you create this cool webinar that actually converts, right? Yeah. So. So it's, it's very practical. Um, John Lee Dumas, obviously. So yeah. I, I, I like a lot of people. A couple of questions as we wrap up that I always ask my guests. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? feel that I finally overcame my inner fear um, for being a middle manager that's not living this nice, glamorous life. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's perfectly okay. To, I always want to approach it uh, by being very sincere, more honest than everybody else uh, around me, you know. So that's that's my approach because I want to project that you know being very sincere. Everything mm-hmm. I say is credible, is the truth, and so that's that's a big change because yeah. before I would I didn't feel comfortable talking about being middle manager, being stuck in my day job. Mm-hmm. But now I'm but, but now I'm okay talking about it very openly, and I tell people that you don't have to suddenly quit your job. Just because you hate your job, it may be better to make a smart and and you know methodical transition, which is what I'm doing now. I think that resonates with a lot of people, especially people in this space, because we all start somewhere. And you know, and I don't think and uh, you know some people are are born entrepreneurs and maybe never can proudly say that they've never had a nine to five. But I think the majority of us, I think, go through that. And I went through that myself a couple of years ago. And and I was standing on the edge for the longest time before I felt I had I had the courage to make the jump myself. So I think. You speaking openly about it and, and in a way that says, hey, this is normal, like embrace your job because your job is paying the bills and it's getting you to where, allow you to, to pursue your dreams. Yeah. And I think that, that also, like, I, I think I undervalued my, the experience I'm getting from my job. And, mm. I, and now I'm really starting to bring it to the service. That's great. What do you think is one of the most misunderstood things about you? I think the most misunderstood things is that people still see me as the the, the America she banks guy. <laughs> people still see me as the entertainer. They're not sure what what else I can bring to the table besides mm-hmm. the entertainment part of it. 
So that's that's the part that will take time to change. Yeah. I think I think sometimes life is not fair. Perception is reality. My everything now, you know, the way I communicate, the way my website is set up, I'm letting people know that I live a mission that's much bigger than myself. I'm, I'm naturally curious now. Did you ever get a chance to speak to uh, or meet uh, Ricky Martin? No, <laughs> not yet. He mentioned he wanted to meet me, but it didn't happen. Well, it's interesting because you now have a platform. And it's and if you said, hey, I just want to meet you casually, that's one thing. But if you say, hey, I have a podcast now, Ricky, and you know, it's been interesting <laughs> where, where your journey is. And you know, obviously, our paths crossed because of that song. But it's just really powerful. And I think you're, you're, you're coming to experience it, the power of having a platform that people can come onto, what I like to call your online stage, because you've been on offline stages, but you know, I really tell people that their podcast is their online stage. And in the same way, you can control like who you want to appear uh, next to you on that stage. I think that's a great opportunity. And I love the idea, actually. I, I, thanks for suggesting that. So yeah, I, I definitely open to that a little bit, little bit farther down the road. Once I, once I get, get some of the, my other pieces or things, my royalties together in my life, yeah. Then, then uh, I feel that that that's kind of that's, I want to focus on my you know my core business first. Mm-hmm. You know, catch up with the podcast that's still pending. Find a, you know the editor, producer, take care of that stuff, and then you know once I get the little ten twenty episodes up and running, then yeah, yeah I'll I'll see if I I'll, I'll reach out and see if I could bring him in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a really fun conversation. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. Well, I well, I mean what, what I want to just. Uh, encourage you is just to keep at it because uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, it's it's one of those things that uh, grows in in terms of its visibility over time, and, it, and you just get more comfortable doing it, and you'll find that this networking aspect of it is is just really exponential. And so I, I love the fact that you know you're you're just getting started. And you know, when I started this show, I was only speaking to veteran podcasters, and I had this rule that you had to have fifty episodes. But I think it's fascinating to to hear you as you're just getting started and some of the things and challenges you've been working through because that's that's real. That's what every you know a lot of podcasters or wannabe podcasters will never even make yes. it to this point. You know, they'll, they'll never record their first episode or, or they'll record it and they'll sit on their on their laptop for the next three years. Yeah, that's true. So I applaud you for <laughs> taking that first step and, and <laughs> get out there and, and connecting with the podcasting community. I think you've already found that it's a very friendly community that wants to succeed. And, and I, and I think, um, you know, we're all root for you to succeed as well. Thank you so much. What's the, the best place for folks then uh, to track you down or to connect with you and the show? They could go to willhung.com. Uh, they could reach out to me. And, uh, if you, if you reach out to me, I will send out uh, a, a free gift for your listeners. I just okay. uh, finished developing thing, developing this the free gift is going to be called your next giant leap. That's perfect. Then we'll, we'll connect after the show and you can provide me that link and we'll make sure we include it in the show notes. Yes. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. I know we had a bit of technical difficulties in the beginning, but I appreciate you telling your story and sharing it with my audience. You're very welcome. Don't forget to check out the full show notes at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 170. Intro and outro music composed by, yes, you remember, Cedar and Soil, cedarsoil.com. Tune in next week for my conversation with Rick Mulready, Facebook marketer extraordinaire and uh, someone I connected with at Social Media Marketing World. He was hanging out with uh, Amy Porterfield and we were able to make that conversation happen. It was a really good one and I think you'll enjoy it and hear some things about Rick you may not know. As always, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter, podcastjunkies.com forward slash eight tools. And if you made it this far, congrats. The retention hashtag is William Sings, hashtag William Sings, one word, 
and his Twitter handle is WH53, WH53. And you can tag us at podcast underscore junkies. Have a fantastic week. 